Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Monetary Life. This is your host, Robert Fisher, and I hope you're doing well this evening. Tonight I have the special pleasure of welcoming our guest, Saeed Jabbar, the founder of Inclusion.us, located in Astoria, Queens, and somewhat of an expert on the cryptocurrency world. While we're waiting for Saeed to call in, I just want to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency. And quite frankly, um, I was very, well, I was somewhat aware of Bitcoins over the last year, but the whole notion of a blockchain was something that about three or four months ago, I didn't really know much about. And hopefully our guest will shed some light on the issue of blockchains and cryptocurrency. And of course, for anyone watching the meteoric rise of Bitcoin and Ethereum over the last year, it can be a little daunting and mind-boggling to try and understand what's really going on. Uh, Of course, uh, speculation in currency is nothing new, but with um, Ethereum and Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies, it's, it's almost like entering a whole new world. And uh, hopefully, Saeed will be calling in any moment. Some of the questions that I want to uh, delve into when we talk about cryptocurrency um, would be the whole nature of blockchains, which, of course, gave birth to cryptocurrency. Uh, You know, some people think that a blockchain is designed to... uh, get the internet back to some of its more pure roots uh, because when the internet was originally founded, for some people it was designed to be an egalitarian um, medium uh, and it seems to have gotten extremely commercial. Anyone who frequents the internet every day like most of us uh, can appreciate that. So one of the things I want to talk about um, with Saeed uh, is um, how the uh, blockchain and Bitcoin phenomena is attempting to bring uh, the internet back to its pure intentions mm-hmm. um, so so that um, there can be some type of de- de- uh, decentralization, excuse me, Uh, Just one second. We seem to be having a technical Mm -hmm. issue. Um, Let me just check with Saeed so that we're all on the same page here. Please bear with me. Well, I think he should be calling in any moment now. But anyway, getting back to the whole issue of uh, what the blockchain and the Bitcoin is attempting to uh, uh, achieve, um, I think that really remains to be seen, whether blockchains and cryptocurrencies can remain free of the commercialization that has so taken over uh, the Internet. So while we're waiting for Saeed to call in, uh, 
Um, there are some other issues that we also need to uh, address. Hold on. I think that's Saeed right now. Saeed? Yes. Can you hear Saeed, me? Saeed, is that you? Yes, I can hear you. How yes. are you tonight? I'm good and good. And how is everyone? Uh, everyone is doing really good. While you were calling in, I was able to give our listeners a little bit of a background as to what you're doing now and your interest in cryptocurrency and blockchains. Do you want to like flesh that out a little bit um, and tell us a little bit about what you were doing before inclusion.us? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to grow up in New York City and, uh, you know, be a part of the, the second, uh, you know, wave of a lot of people referred to the Web 2.0 era. And uh, I was very fortunate to work very early on with this uh, guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. I was one of the early first 10 people there. And now he's got a company, you know, 800 people, four cities. And he's a very, very famous guy in the scene. Um, and through the experience, you know, I, I, I got opportunities to work on with the government on very cool projects um, and do very cool things in the tech space. But, you know, I, I always felt that I, you know, my... I needed to do something that I was really passionate about. And instead of applying my time, my talent, my treasure to the Facebooks of the world, there's way too many social networks. I wanted to do something meaningful. I wanted to give back um, to my community of Jamaica, Queens, where I, you know, I grew up in. And uh, what better way to do that than teaching people how to code? Um, so now we've been doing that for two years. And it's, it's extraordinary to see how many lives we've changed uh, how many students have gone from being unemployed to now into very well meaningful paying jobs, and also to see how much the industry has embraced us as well. Every major tech company uh, has supported us in one way or the other, um, so we're all very grateful for that. And in the process of that, you know, while that's happening, I, you know, I have my hand in this Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain world. Um, and inadvertently, without me, uh, without any effort really of being asked to speak and write articles um, and talk about the subject matter, I seem to have a knack of uh, really demystifying it for people. Um, so I'm very grateful to be here today to do the same for you and your audience and help clarify any questions around it. Um, yeah, so go ahead and shoot away those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny, like, I, before we get into that, I just want to say I, I'm also a Queens boy, and I grew up in Queens as well, so we have a kinship right there. Uh, so I could appreciate the idea of giving back to your community as well. Um, yeah, it, it just seems, Saeed, that the crypto world has burst into the public consciousness over the last two or three months. Before then, yeah, people have heard of Bitcoins, but the notion of a blockchain if you would have polled people about a year ago as to what, it, what is a blockchain, what percentage of people were somewhat familiar with that, I think it would probably be under 10% if we're talking about a year ago. And even now, it's probably under 25%, although people have heard of Bitcoins and cryptocurrency. So, so tell us, how did this just burst on the scene seemingly overnight? Yeah, you know, there, there were 
it, it's uh, it's a story that's ten years in the making, so to speak. And I, I also want to acknowledge the you know the, the sort of the, the people who help start this community out in New York City. A lot of those people have literally put their lives on the line um, for us to get where we are today. You know, many of them have ended up in jail for for no crime really, for trumped up charges. So I, I want to you know I want to thank those people and, and extend. Uh, my gratitude for them paving the way for us. You know, first movers sometimes get eaten by the sharks, um, but they've helped pave this way. And and so really how it's emerged and, and burst into public consciousness was this this rapid growth in, in the price. Uh, coupled with many other, you know, macro factors like the mainstream press and their fascination uh, around the currency and promote primarily the, the negative sides of the currency they were focused on. They were focused on, oh, it's being used on the Silk Road. And, oh, it went from, you know, 100 bucks to 1000 then it crashed all the way back down to 4000 uh, And it's so volatile. And, and they, were very, they were very focused on sort of the anarchist aspects of it, that it's going to overthrow the government one day and, and, and get rid of the, you know, the federal bank. Um, but what really catapulted this adoption, um, in addition to the macro mainstream forces, was also the the ease and, uh, and the ease of access to purchase cryptocurrency. Now we, we had apps like Coinbase and more trusted exchanges. You know, way back in the day there was Mt. Gox, and Mt. Gox went down, got hacked, and over four billion dollars was lost. And so there was a lack of trust, a lack of confidence. But with companies like Coinbase, um, they were able to make it where just downloading an app, you can deposit 100 bucks or $10 and purchase a bit of cryptocurrency. So it was a perfect timing. And then coupled with a global 24-7 market, especially now with the, with the Asian currencies, South Korea, China, and Japan, they love crypto. Um, so coupled with all those forces, you now have this global place. You also had, you know, what they referred to the average person as a retail investor. All of us were just experimenting with this stuff, and we would put ten dollars in. It would become a hundred bucks the next day, and people kept feeding the machine. Um, and then all of a sudden, Bitcoin hit twenty thousand, uh, and now it's crashed. It's come back to around twenty, uh, so to around ten grand. Um, but it's left with us a lot of fanfare, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of belief. They they like to say Bitcoin is a red pill. Once you, you get into it, it sort of unravels this whole other paradigm. Uh, and this is the, the most important thing that I've seen is this shift in paradigm where once people get in, even if they purchase $10, you know, they start buying what we call altcoins, these other coins. Um, they start purchasing things online with it or investing more of their money or becoming so there's so many people. This has been the biggest transference of wealth in a long time for the world. So many people are becoming wealthy overnight and they're actually using this money for good. You've got companies like foundations like the Pineapple Fund, millions and millions of dollars they're donating to a whole set of nonprofits uh, because these in- individuals are anonymous, but they they rather give away their wealth. Uh, and so it's it's extraordinary to to see uh you know this the, the, the 
really the elevation of consciousness that has happened uh, through Bitcoin and that there's no central authority um, that's manning it. And what's even more extraordinary is now that you want to take out your, your, you know, your Bitcoin transfer to USD, most people are finding that, why would I ever want to put my money into fiat again? It's such a poor store of value. <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason for me to go back into the normal system. And so these, this is raising major questions for governments across the world. You're seeing governments like China, they're banning everything. South Korea is now getting into game ban and everything. But then you have governments like that of Japan, and they're really embracing crypto. Uh, right now in America, we're sort of on the fence. We're watching. The SEC wants to get in and regulate these things today. So there's, you know, it's it's, it's a great time to to be alive and to be to be witnessing this. And it's also important to recognize and acknowledge we are very, very early in cryptocurrency. Yes, it's been 10, 10 years, but also the technology itself is very, it's in its infancy. Uh, you know, the technology right now is breaking, uh, trend, uh, they take a long time. So there's still room for disruption. I always tell people the, the Amazon and the Google of the crypto era is yet to be born. Um, so there's so much opportunity. <laughs> hmm. So do you view cryptocurrency as a means to purchase experiences to, to, to uh, avoid the actual currency that whatever country somebody is in might be using? Or do you see it more as a way of changing consciousness and people's behavior? Or is it just a combination of both? Right now, I definitely, I definitely think it's a combination of both, and you know, the the infrastructure is getting there slowly so that it can be more adopted and can be used for more experiences. Um, so we're slowly getting there, but I definitely think it's both, um, and it's you know, it's really, it's opening, you know, it, it's getting people educated about our economy and our financial system in a way that they would have never been interested before. Um, you know, it is very volatile. So until things stabilize a little bit more, uh, you know, some vendors are willing to take the risk. Overstock.com sells furniture. I saw KFC, I believe, in Canada is taking Litecoin for, for food. Um, so there are people who are willing to take the risk. There's also a lot of hype. A lot of companies are just adding blockchain to their name and their stock is soaring. Um, so there are a lot of hype. I mean, 99.9% of these coins are vaporware. They have none of the ingredients that are, that are mandated or necessary for a successful company. Um, so things are still early, but the, the, the root of things are there. Um, and it's, you know, for people in Venezuela and in countries like that, Zimbabwe, where the inflation is crazy, uh, for them, this is a lifeline. You know, it's a lifeline for them to get their assets, get out of the country and recover those assets. Um, so it's, it's still so early. But what, what we're going to see, I think, and what people are going to question is, you know, we live in a world now where, you know, people are doing the work that companies used to do. And companies are doing what governments used to do. And so really, what is the role of government? Is it just policy and, and defense? 
And what's going to happen is I believe probably within the next 10 years, we will have a crypto community somewhere in the world where everything they will be doing, it will be in their own coin. You know, they can take a cab and whatever that coin is called, take Queen's coin. You can purchase stuff with the bodega using Queen's coin. And communities will only accept their coin. Um, and what's going to happen is I don't know how governments will react to that. Uh, but we will see that happen undoubtedly, um, and, and that's going to change things. We're going to really have decentralized communities, and I think that's the next sort of macro large step that's required for crypto to really work. And different communities will have different coins, will barter, and will we'll trade. And so it's it's going to be very very fascinating. And I think the biggest block to it all is, is governments really overstepping. And, and governments are claiming, well, they want to protect their citizens. But I, I think people are pretty smart. <laughs> if you can purchase crypto, I think you've got a quite a firm understanding of things. Um, will people get scammed and stuff? Absolutely. But, you know, look at 2008. The banks scammed millions of people and left them homeless. And what did we do? We, we, the governments bailed the banks out. So I think well, crypto is way. I understand, <laughs> I understand that, but I, I kind of disagree with you that the banks scammed millions of people because, as I recall, in 2008, the greed of the average individual was is real. Was really the driving force behind housing bubble and the crash of a lot of banks. If people didn't desire to buy things with, that they couldn't afford. I don't think things would have ever gotten out of control. The banks just created the instruments to facilitate what people wanted. So I, I'm not so sure the banks were the evil force there, or, although it's easy to look back and say they were. But I have a question for you about the decentralization. You were talking a few minutes ago about how there might be a Queens cryptocurrency and only that would be accepted in a local bodega in Queens. But my big question to you when I think about this is why is decentralization a good thing in the world in which we're living in? You know, that, that's, uh, you know that's a question that we're all wrestling, wrestling with in, in the crypto world. And I have my thoughts on this. You know, the, the general consensus within the crypto space, though, is there's, uh, there's this very sort of large sort of anarchist community, and they absolutely hate the banks, the financial institutions. You know, they, they, they view the banks as problematic and the cause of, of the financial collapse and all these different things. Agreed. Agreed. Massive... Let's, let's not forget, uh, Saeed, it's so easy to blame other people for things that go wrong. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, you know, and that's a big factor in, in our culture right now is whenever something goes wrong, the first thing people do is to not take responsibility and to blame someone else. So, Absolutely. you know, so, <laughs> you know, so, well, yeah, well, I, right, right. So I'll, I'll put you on that, you know, but the, because of that, this backlash and the distrust, people, it's created the sphere of central authority. You know, why should I put my uh -huh. money in a bank? Why should I have my, all my personal data on Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp? And, and so it's led to, you know, what they call DApps, decentralized apps, um, you know, decentralized services, decentralized exchanges, where there's no central uh, authority running these exchanges. It's all what's done over smart contracts or, or different, you know, what I like to call estates. 
um, you know, there's sort of the, the mining estate, all these people who are generating the, the actual coins. Then there's sort of the developers, the people who are building the infrastructure. There's all these different, you know, entities, and they're all coming together to create a product or service. But here's where I, I sort of agree. I, I don't think these things can be completely centralized or decentralized. And what we're seeing is, you know, the same, the old boss, the new boss is the same as the old boss. That you really don't I, need. I, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. You really do need some sort of centralized body to to build and nurture and get things to the level of an Amazon or Google. You you just can't have, you know, the, the, the decentralization is great for small projects, but to keep people incentivized and keep them motivated and, and actually achieve things, you, I, I really do think there needs to be some form. It doesn't need to be complete, you know, centralization or decentralization, but there has to be active bodies because uh, we're seeing, you know, th- there's a game called CryptoKittens, and it's bogging down the entire Ethereum network. Um, it's slowing things down. It's increasing transaction fees. And, and uh, you know, there's the, the Ethereum Foundation, which is sort of the disaster body that's maintaining Ethereum, and they can't catch, they can't update the network fast enough to support a small little game. And this is one game. Imagine if one game broke the App Store, we would be up in arms. Um, so I think, right. you know, I, I, you know, I, I think the, the crypto world needs to be a little bit more open to centralization. They need to stop hating on companies like Ripple, which are actual real businesses, <laughs> just because they're, you know, they're, they have, you know, a real CEO and, and real investors doesn't mean that they're you know, they're the man and we, we should dismiss them. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I think it needs to be the bal- you know, a balance. I think the crypto community has a lot of maturity to do, a lot of growing up to do. Like anything with the Internet, you know, it was started by a small group of, of you know, people who hated the system and wanted to, to have a different alternative means. Um, so let's see how it evolves. Um, you know, let's see how yeah. it, it grows up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that. Nobody really knows how these issues are going to be resolved, and we certainly can't resolve them tonight, but we certainly give the audience a taste of what may be coming. Uh, while we still have some time, I wanted to ask you, why would somebody want to invest in these alternative cryptocurrencies other than Ethereum and Bitcoin? Isn't it incredibly risky? It, there's incredible risk, uh, tremendous amounts of risk. And I, sh- I should also say it's very important, nothing that uh, we're discussing here is financial advice in any sort of oh, absolutely. way. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you, everyone's got to make their uh, decisions on their own. We we're simply providing knowledge. Um, but it's, you know, I, I should peel back a little and explain, you know, altcoins and Bitcoin and all this stuff for the audience. Um, so Bitcoin is simply uh, a cryptocurrency or a currency. It's built on this thing called the blockchain. And, and in simple words, really all the blockchain is, it's sort of like the Apple or Google you know, app store. And Bitcoin is really an application that's built on top of blockchain. And, and so it's one of the first. And then other folks came out and saw the, the flaws in Bitcoin and they created their own. And, and so Ethereum is another 
more enhanced blockchain, and they have their own currency called Ether. And what this what this allowed pretty much is anyone now can go make their own currency call, and you can give it to the public in a, in a process called an ICO or initial coin offering. And anyone from across the world can buy your coin. And so tons of people have gotten wealthy off of selling vaporware. Uh, and so there's tons of tons of altcoins popping up. And the market cap is very large for this. And most of them are garbage. Most of them are schemes. Uh, some of them flat out copy each other's technology and white paper and go raise tons of money. And this is where it's important to have a little bit of you know, common sense and, and really look for the fundamentals. Firstly, are there real people behind this thing? You know, so many people have got, gotten their money stolen because there was not even real entities behind some coins. So is there a real team? Are they backed by real investors? Do they actually have a project, a timeline, a roadmap? Have they demonstrated experience before? Just the basic fundamental investment questions that people are just not asking. You know, people are getting caught up in a frenzy. There's all these pump and dump groups that exist over Telegram, which is a messaging app similar to WhatsApp. That's where all the action happens in crypto world. And people are just so susceptible. One of the biggest scams and Ponzi schemes, BitConnect, finally got shut down. So many people lost their money. And the, the other thing is the people are losing money with, with things that they would not even expect, whether it's what we call ransomware, where their computer gets shut down and they have to pay in Bitcoins. Or I, I read a story, one gentleman lost his entire life savings because he bought what we call a hardware wallet, a simple USB stick that you can store cryptocurrency on. And it turns out there was spyware on this USB and when he deposited his Bitcoin in onto the USB, a hacker stole all of it. So there's all these, there, there's tremendous risk of cryptocurrencies in general, but people are not doing, you know, enough, enough education on themselves, or they're not reading enough, they're not studying enough, they're not doing basic research. There's a lot uh -huh. of gossip. People are watching these YouTubers. Uh, that's what's interesting is to see how internet culture has wrapped around crypto, where there's all YouTubers and Twitter influencers and people on Reddit that would create fake news or pump in or artificially manipulate in the price of a coin to drive the public to, you know, to a specific coin. Uh, and, and a lot of people, you know, the, you, you don't hear about the you know all the people who have lost as much as you've heard about the people who gained. Um, so I think it's tremendously important to be, uh, you know, to invest in educating yourself um, about what you're putting your money into. Yeah, well, that's true for anything. Uh, it's called due diligence. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. And no, even if you're uh, buying a pair of shoes, you might want to go to a few stores to see if it's something you like better at a better price. So, you know, uh, the same thing applies to this. And especially, you know, here again, um, I, I'm no expert in, crypt, in the crypto world. That's why I have you on as a guest, Saeed. And, uh, you know, to me, there just seems to be so much greed, greed already, like, revolving around this thing. But I'm, I was hoping today to focus on some of the really good things and the substance of what Bitcoins and, and blockchains are about 
and what they're trying to do in terms of decentralizing in a good way. Here again, that remains to be seen whether decentralization is even a good thing, but to decentralize some control and to also give people a new kind of identity. Now, in the few remaining moments we have left, could you talk about how you foresee uh, cryptocurrency and blockchains creating a new identity separate and apart from a national identity? Yeah, there's a lot of coins that are that are trying to tackle this problem, civic coin and all this stuff. So for, for a long time, the, the, the core and the heart of the answer is this. You know, every time you sign up for Facebook, Twitter, whatever social service, your personal data is being given up and it's also being given to advertisers and you're not being compensated, you know, for the use of your data. You're also being manipulated by the ads that are served to you based on your interests. And so we're all, all we see in crypto in a very small way is starting to shift that paradigm. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is talking that. about. I see that. Sorry? I see that. And that is a good thing from my standpoint. And uh, all these people uh, making money are the choices that we make on the Internet. And we're not getting a cut of it. And I think that the crypto and blockchain world is trying to redress that wrong. Uh, listen, I would love to continue this for another hour, and maybe we'll have you on another show very soon, Saeed. We've only scratched the surface of the crypto world in today's talk. But I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything you want to uh, leave the audience in a few remaining seconds, uh, anything that you can think of re related to the crypto world? Be careful. Be careful. Do your research. And I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. You can email me at saed at incl.us or tweet at me, uh, Saeed Jabbar. Uh, happy to answer any questions. But it's super important to do your research and do your due diligence, as you call it. Um, that will do you wonders. Well, Saeed, I want to thank you so much for being on Monergy Life and to all my listeners. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great evening. Saeed, once again, thank you for appearing on Monergy Life. Good night, everybody. You got it. Good night, everyone. Take care.